Thank you everybody for listening. It's a privilege and honour to be able to host this podcast in an ongoing way. If you'd like to support and get behind what we're doing either in this podcast form or in publishing work or over on YouTube with the videos, the extensive kind of growing library of videos there, please do drop us a line. We'd love to get in touch. If you want any more information, please do let us know and we can get that over to you. But there's lots of information. It's pretty obvious what we're doing and we would deeply profoundly value your support we're not part of a wider network of churches we're not part of a wider denomination we are literally solo and so if you appreciate this work or if you know others that might please do drop us a line and as i say see the link in the show notes About a year ago, we put some posters up in our windows with the Repent Now He Loves You um, slogan, I suppose you could call it. You see behind me just here, Repent Now He Loves You, the gospel in microcosm. And maybe the year before that, we'd been increasingly more active with the gospel on the streets and that kind of thing. And I document some of this in the new book that's coming out in the next fortnight around Easter. And in fact, last Easter, we went and did a 4am booklet dropping across our whole neighbourhood. And over the course of this time, I suppose we've been more aware of the tensions that result. You know, a lot of people talk about not wanting to rock the boat, wanting to maintain relationship. So that's a big one, maintaining relationship. And you don't want there to be any tensions in your neighbourhood and and so on. And I, I think I've come to a place of personal conviction about that. How dare I be in, in my neighborhood and it not be blatantly obvious that I am one of the lords? Every time somebody walks past our house. So there have been tensions and that has ranged from gospel booklets being used, being made into, you know, antichrist upside down crosses and... um, There are clearly at least one or two people in the area immediately who just make a point of ripping and spoiling booklets. However, our immediate neighbour is a Muslim, and it's a year since we first had these posters in our window. And just this week, um, some posters have appeared in his window. And it's worth saying, partly because there's a small chance that that he might watch this video. And if you are... I hope that we can continue to have the kind of conversations that we've had over the last eight years. But I would say there's been a relationship, a, a, an obvious connection between our being much more gospel focused with proclamation of the gospel in our immediate local area um, and a sense of, of growing tension with with my Muslim neighbor. And what was of just this is so interesting. What happened this week um, is that two posters appeared in his window that were um, basically anti-Semitic. It was calling for Israel to be boycotted. I can't remember the exact detail, but it was a pro-Palestinian, very anti-Israel um, message, which I've, I was quite surprised at because 
well, for various reasons, but one of which is that there could, of course, be Jewish people in this street. And that could be viewed as a, certainly by today's standards, could be viewed as hate speech. But this is the this is the point I want to bring to your attention. And I've, I've been so blessed by this and continue to be. When I saw the posters initially, I was a little bit anxious because I knew that intuitively, instinctively, that there was a connection between our gospel presence and what was what was now happening in my neighbor's house. But I very quickly felt the opposite. I very quickly felt shalom, peace. But more than that, I felt a sense of honor that the Lord would have seen fit for this house, not only to be marked by his blood, think of the Israelites and the, the lintels and doorposts of their houses being painted scarlet with the blood of the of the lamb, but more than that, that there would be a sense of the dishonor that falls on Jesus himself, Hebrews 13, where he is outside of the city walls, and that the encouragement is for us to also go outside, to be with him where he is, in that the reproach that is falling on him, as it does still, this is the anti-Christ, the anti-Jesus Christ we're talking about, it's very personal, but that somehow that would still, that would fall on us as Gentiles. Now you might think that's, that might sound a bit contrived, you might think that's just spiritualizing, but wait until I tell you what happened next, because this just proves that I was hearing what the Lord was saying. So this boycott boycott Israel, anti-Semitic, very kind of unusual, I would say, for that to happen, perhaps particularly for Muslims. And then this week, this is a book that I regularly read with Mary. It's a book, uh, a kind of compilation of Puritan prayers. And this is just a couple of days ago, this development. And what I read this morning was staggering. Keep in mind the the whole notion of our home being marked and obvious as a lighthouse for the how dare we not be obvious to people that pass us. That's that was the that's the challenge I want to leave with all of us today is that if you are kind of incognito within your neighborhood and it's not obvious that you are one of the redeemed, it says that, doesn't it, somewhere? I'm trying to remember where where the verse is. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You know, if we're not saying so, there's something wrong. So keep that in mind, but also the specific connection with Israel, the Jewish people, and how that relates. Why would that be a factor? I'm going to read you the poem, sorry, the prayer from this book now. But before I do, let me just tell you this, because this might make it a little bit more interesting, which is to say that the the prayer is by Robert, Robert Hawker from 1753 to 1827. So he's, he died um, in, the th- in the third decade of the 19th century. So he died in 1827. And this is, um, this is I'm going to show you now, this is, this is Robert, and he was part of the Church of England. He was an Anglican. Funnily enough, he was a Devonian like me from Devon. Originally, I think his family was from Plymouth. And... It was confusing. This is the interesting kind of aside and anecdote by way of aside is that his Robert's grandson was also called Robert. <laughs> so when we first started, just when when I when we read the prayer that I'm about to show you, which I hope you'll find as staggering as we did with what I've just told you, 
we we started reading about this other this other guy called Robert Hawker, who we thought was this guy I hadn't checked the date. Now Robert's grandson um, was also in Devon and also was a minister, and yet he was an extremely eccentric guy. Now this is this is Robert Hawker's grandson. This is this is him here, and he was well known as being eccentric, and these are the things that he was well known for, including excommunicating his cat for mousing on Sundays. <laughs> well, you know, that's one of the funniest things. At the time, Mary and I were reading this this morning in bed and we're just laughing that this guy was, you know, he's well known for, for wearing kind of pink rimless hats and, you know, very kind of mystical, funny guy. And he... He dressed in claret-covered coat, blue fisherman's jersey, long sea boots, a pink brimless hat, and a poncho made from a yellow horse blanket, which he claimed was the ancient habit of St. Pardon. He talked to birds, invited his nine cats into church, and kept a huge pig as a pet. My alarm bells started to go off. I just thought this was really odd. The alarm bells started to go off when I then realised this guy had con so-called converted to Catholicism on his deathbed. And I'm thinking, <laughs> this guy's in here. Anyway, long story short, it was the wrong Robert. The Robert that wrote this prayer that I'm about to read to you was two, two generations, or how, however many generations it is. It was his grandfather. And uh, Rest assured from the prayer that I'm about to read you, there was no eccentricity in that way. Um, it's a prayer entitled, Your Name on My Heart and Home. Your Name on My Heart and Home. I'm just going to read you the, the prayer and you'll see, you'll see why this is significant based on what I've just told you. Precious Jesus, you have been a strength to my poor soul and you will be my portion forever. Help me to see my daily need of you and to feel my poverty and weakness. From persecution to my guilty conscience, to the remains of sin in a body of death, to the accusations of Satan or even the just judgments of God, I am secure in you, Lord. And I continually cry out, as did your prophet. Only in the Lord is righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come. So Isaiah 45, 24. I will never be ashamed or confounded, world without end. You have given grace, glory and honour to your Israel. I want your name, Lord, on the gates of my house so that no one will walk by and miss the fact that a lover of the Lord lives here. I'm going to read that again. You have given grace, glory and honour to your Israel. I want your name, Lord, on the gates of my house so that no one will walk by and miss the fact that a lover of the Lord lives there. It is my highest honour to have it known whose I am and whom I serve in the gospel of his dear son. How could I be ashamed of that name before which every knee bows in heaven and on earth? And Lord Jesus, not only write your name upon the gates of my house, but engrave it in the centre of my heart and my affections on my first and last, my earliest and latest thoughts. Let it be my joy to speak out of the abundance of my heart about you and your great salvation. In all I say, 
in all I do, let it be clear that I am in pursuit of the one my soul loves. Let my every action point to your dear name. And whether at home or abroad, in my house or family, when lying down or rising up, let all creation witness for me that the love, the service, the interest, the glory of my God in Christ is the only object of my soul's desire. Let everything in my life say this, whom have I, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Amen. During this prayer, Robert Hawker quotes, and it's not obvious, but it's Isaiah 45, 24. Only in the Lord is righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come. If you read that verse, it talks about the anger, the rage against the Lord. And this is, the, this is why there's a connection between the, the Muslim and the radicalizing Christian, boldly, increasingly boldly proclaiming the gospel and anti-Semitism. Anti is that the honor of Jesus is in this house because we are blood-bought. We've been grafted in the honor of him. And it therefore makes sense that the dishonor that falls, fell and falls on him as a man, God-man, the son of man indeed, who we know that Jesus will always have the marks in his side, in his resurrected body. And in that sense, he is a Jewish man in heaven who will one day again soon, he'll be returning. But that that. That Jesus, as in that prophetic sense, king of the Jews, he's obviously king of the entire cosmos. But that his ethnicity is not is not regard is not um, incidental. And so my 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 immediately recognizing that the anger that was coming from the Muslim, the first thing that he says publicly in the street is anti-Israel anti-Jews, anti-Christ, anti-Jesus, is that it's anti who Jesus is and that the people of God, therefore, those who are the besotted, Christ-riveted ones, the glorious ones in whom is all my delight, Psalm 16, there should be this emphasis and focus on Israel and on the Jewish people. And that's not political, that's not Zionism in that political sense, or at least on that understanding. But it is to say that the chosen people, God's, Jesus' chosen people are the Jewish people. And we have been grafted in as Gentiles. And there is, and there remains a significance to the land of Israel and the people of Israel, the ethnic people, the, the Jewish people, not the Arabs. And this is where the rage of Satan comes because those who are anointed, those who are the ones who are filled with the Holy Spirit and are boldly proclaiming the only way to the Father, there will be this lashback. And it wasn't any surprise to me that it was an anti-Israel and anti-Jewish message that was being literally angled towards a house. They'd put one of the posters to be, to be literally like an arrow towards our bedroom. 
So I want to mention that this week because I found that an encouraging, a very, very encouraging uh, confirmation where Hawker says here in this poem, keep on calling it a poem, it's a prayer, uh, your name on my heart and my house, you have given grace, glory and honour to your Israel. I want your name, Lord, on the gates of my house so that no one will walk by and miss the fact that a lover of the Lord lives here. I'd encourage you to think about that. I don't know if you can see in this camera. We've obviously got this. There you can see the poster. Just there. That's the poster. The gospel. There's one downstairs as well. Um, I want you to encourage you to consider what you could do to make it obvious for whoever walks past your house that a servant of the Lord lives at your address. The, the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's number one. Think about what you can do. And it might be that you, if you want to order these posters, we can get them to you. That's fine. No problem. All the booklets. Easter's coming up. We're going to be distributing hundreds and hundreds of them in our neighborhood. And I encourage you to be thinking about that in advance. Make some preparation. That's number one. How can you make sure that your house is a lighthouse for those who are walking by? But secondly, consider your relationship with Israel. Consider your relationship with the Jews and consider your giving. Consider how you support ministries, faithful ministries that are messianic. And consider as well, from an eschatological point of view, what you believe about Israel and the Jewish people at the end of the age. And I'm not a scholar. I'm not claiming to be. I'm not hoping to be. I am a, in a sense, just a Galilean fisherman with long hair and long beard, and that may get cut off at some point, who knows. But my point is that I'm a rough and ready Devonian, funnily enough, living in Scotland, and my heart is to be surrendered to him in an increasing way, and that's going to that's gonna involve repentance about things that I've not even been aware of yet. It's also going to involve being taught and led by him, to understand things in the scriptures that I've never understood. And one of those, I believe, is to do with the people of Israel, to do with the Jews and to do with the nation of Israel, the land of Israel, the covenant, the conversation between Yahweh and Abraham, the covenant that still remains unfulfilled in an ultimate sense. So I'd encourage you, what are you doing to make your house as clear as possible? Can you relate with this? You have given grace, glory, and honor to your Israel. I want your name, Lord, on the gates of my house so that no one will walk by and miss the fact that a lover of the Lord lives there. I would encourage you, if you've got gates, we don't have gates or a wall in front of our house, hence the posters being just on the window. But if you've got gates, consider putting something on the gates. Consider having gospel booklets to give out constantly, every day, in some way. Consider reaching out to your immediate neighbours, consider particularly with Muslims, making it clear that what they believe and what they say about Jesus is not true. It is deceitful. It is the lie of Satan. And to leave you with this thought that as you put Jesus front and centre like that, it will be like the blood on the lintel and doorposts of the homes for the Hebrews. There will be a protection. I believe there will be. That's not to make us immortal, but it does mean that as you put him first, he is honoured and he um, he honours us. But it's also to make the point that there is a rage of Satan, and I think peculiarly from Islam. 
against Israel and against the Jews. It's always been the case and it always will be and it will only get worse the closer we get to Jesus returning when once again, once again, the land of Israel will be surrounded on all sides by the nations, Syria, Iran, China, Russia, etc., etc. Anyway, I thought that would be of interest to you. I'd encourage you, put Jesus on your gates. Make it obvious that a servant of the Lord lives where you live for the redeemed of the Lord. Say so. Holy Spirit, we join with you and cry and come Lord, come Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we join with you.